Good evening, I'm Ted Koppel. Surely everyone knows by now that Buckwheat is dead. But for those of you who have not seen the videotape of Buckwheat being shot, let's take a look. The motion picture you are about to experience is fiction. The prophecy is not. The producers of this film are not prophets. They are drawing to your attention what God has said in his word. This film is based upon many references in the books of Daniel and Revelation and upon the following biblical prophecies. We're going to look at this man, this uh, Michel de Nostradamus. He was a respected French physician whose predictions of the future have mystified scholars for over 400 years. We're going to look at his predictions of the French Revolution, of the Kennedys, of Napoleon, of Hitler, and of another man who, Nostradamus says, is soon to plunge the world into a catastrophic war. Was he a quack, this Nostradamus, a charlatan, or was he a true prophet, a man with a gift to see what others cannot see? We're going to let you judge for yourselves. If his predictions of the past are accurate, then his predictions of the future could very well affect the lives of all of us. Ty Webb, Heavy Longmire, Gustav Matteblanc. Is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second? This is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Come on then, Plato, enlighten me. It's a way to start it. Um, Did I wake you from your nap? uh, My slumber. Fully engaged. Fully engaged. Ready to roll. Ready to roll? Ready to roll. Can you hear me? The podcast of three guys talking about stuff. But again, RIP heavy. We barely knew ye. Actually, we knew him pretty damn well. Yeah, that's true. You might not, but we did. So I'm Gustav Monteblanc. I'm Ty Webb. And you can find me on Twitter (laughs) at Real Gustav. I'm at TyWeb3000. And you can talk to the dirty dead ghost of Heavy at Longmire Heavy on Twitter. Hello, folks. How's it going? And our email is canyouhearmepod at gmail.com. And all of our old episodes and fantastic episode art are on our website, canyouhearmepod.com. We do have some good art. You do good at that. Sometimes. Sometimes I mail it in, but sometimes I do all right. Well, we mail it in most times, so. Uh, yeah, the cheapest rate possible. I think a, an alternate title for our podcast could be Mailing It In. That's not a bad title. Heavy never comes back. Maybe we'll uh, rebrand. Yeah, maybe we should title these two mans as just Mailing It In. I, I worry, because I think our, our numbers might drop. Yeah, that's true. Because... There's a 25% drop when it's a City of Gustav episode. <laughs> Those are good, though. I haven't listened to the gun one yet, but I want to. You know, but I don't want to discuss it until Heavy's around, because no, I know we, he's going to have a whole kinds of We want to have HSOs. the whole debate. That's, I agree. And, you know, generally speaking, the City of Gustavs are a 
effort to keep us where we got an episode every week. Yeah. We try to be loyal to our listener. Every once Listeners. in a while, I'll get a, a bee in my bonnet, either because somebody asked about it or it's something that I want to get out there. And then I'll do a one with purpose, like the polonium poisoning one, which is topical now. Oh, yeah. Putin's uh, out there doing it again. Putin's out there doing it again. So if you want to go back and listen to that, that's a good uh, episode there. Our, um, this recent one about the history of federal gun control, that's topical. But a lot of times they're just for us to keep the ball rolling because we can't always record. We like to record together in person. Uh, so it's just a, a fill in the gap. So it doesn't hurt my feelings when the numbers go down. I just take it with a grain of salt. I've had very dear female listeners say, I'm not listening to that. Right. You know, that's not what they're here for. They're here for us talking about 80s TV shows <laughs> and dick jokes. So that's what we try to deliver. That's our constituency. Okay. I have a female-oriented superpower that I want to tell you about. Okay. Like, you have it? Like, you physically have it? I I have it. Um, And I want to see if you have any similar superpowers, because I'm guessing I, that you do. I have nothing when it comes to women. <laughs> Mark that. Um. All right. I was struck by this. It happened again to me this week, and it reminded me that I have so many powers I'm not even aware of. <laughs> That's going in the montage. <laughs> Much of which involves females. Let's be honest. You are an incredibly handsome man. But and charming. What I what I lack in humor, charm, and attraction, I make up for in cash. And but I was reminded that I have the power of if I hear a female's voice of someone that I have never met or have never seen before, I can with about 95% accuracy tell you her hair color. I'm I'm welcome to take any challengers that want to, you know, call in. I don't know how that would work, but I feel pretty confident in my hair color game. Okay. We might be able to set something up here. We, I might be able to like set up a uh, Google number or something. We could take voicemails. Let us hear from you. I could just imagine it would be nothing but fake Natalie Maines voicemails. But yeah, it can't be men disguised as females. I can't do that as well. It'll be. Uh, but Aust- who knows? It'll Maybe it Austin. extends to that too. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I don't have this ability. Have you ever tried it? Well, you know, have you in, ever thought about it in my line of work? I do often have conference calls with people that ultimately I will meet. And generally, I don't think I've ever really thought about it. But at the same time, I don't think that, uh, I mean, so this is tricky, okay? Without crossing some lines here. Crossing lines. I'm pretty much thinking that you're just angling this at a certain 60-ish percent of the population. Demographically speaking, are you talking about this falling down racial lines? Well, that's what I'm thinking. Well, I mean, that is you kind of got that's a whole subsection of which I'm totally on board with, but that you don't get as much variance. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, if 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 someone has a Asian immigrant. (laughs) okay, no, I'm not talking about like if, if someone from Poland calls me, you know, I'm just saying that if. If you're having a conversation and someone sounds like their parents immigrated from, Hong Kong. immigrated from Vietnam after the war, that 
you claiming that they, you know, you sensing that they have dark black hair isn't that impressive. Okay, I'll limit my expertise to naturalized citizens. How's that? All right. Well, this is a fascinating belief that this is a superpower. I mean, I don't know anyone else that can do it. I don't either. I I feel like it's a gift. It's very Mystery Men-esque. Did you ever see that movie? Uh, Was that a comedy superhero movie? Yeah, yeah. Was that Ben Stiller? Ben Stiller, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Mr. Furious. His power is being furious. (laughs) I've I've seen it, but it's been a long time, and I don't recall much It's kind of based on the Flaming Carrot comics. I've I've never read a comic. Which I love, the Flaming Carrot comic books. But he was too weird, because he's a man with a giant head that's in the shape of a carrot with fire coming out of the top of it. Okay. And he has webbed feet. Sure. And he fights evil, communists, dead flying dogs, that sort okay. of thing. Okay. And these characters were kind of, you know, offshoots of that comic book. But they all have very non superpower superpowers. Like Are you trying to belittle my superpower? One man can shovel very well. That was William H. Macy's character, the <laughs> shoveler. Uh, Janine Garofalo could throw a bowling ball that contained the spirit of her dead father. All right. Pee Wee Herman was the spleen and his power was <laughs> farting on command. Okay. And Invisible Boy played by, what's the one in Keenan and Kel that didn't do very well? Kel. He was invisible, but only if nobody looked at him. <laughs> So this sounds like spare. you would fit really well with I think the mystery man. I think you're minimizing that this power and its its usage. That movie also had Tom Waits. Whoa! Now there's somebody that I know I'm supposed to appreciate and love, but I've just never been able to get into. I mean, I've got a brother that is like a Tom Waits P1. You know, he's one of those ones where I can take him in small doses. I will give you that he's a great writer. I just cannot handle his voice. Yeah, he gets, he goes too far sometimes. Now, my friend Daphne. From Scooby? No, but I'm more of a Velma guy. Sure you are. My friend Daphne was a young lady in the late 70s or early 70s in Southern California. And her husband was friends with Tom Waits and they would carpool from the hills down to the do studio work. There he was a musician, so she was always around. Did Tom he burn Waits, a pack on the way? I'm sure. And uh Captain Beefheart. <laughs> so when I, I met Daphne, she's like, Oh, you know, she's like she's very still has a very Southern Cal voice, even though she hadn't lived there in thirty years. But she's like, Oh, you gotta listen to this and this and this and she loads me up with all these Tom Waits and Captain Beefheart albums and I'm like Okay, <laughs> thanks. Maybe we should title this episode, My Friend Daphne. Oh, I love Daphne. She's great. I called and talked to her recently. She's doing well. Or we could call it Daphne, Tom Waits, and Captain Beefheart. <laughs> yeah, I think we, uh, I might, you know, call her up and try to get some more uh, stories for that. Now, if you were going to pick, are you going to pick Daphne or Velma? Velma is the more portly of the two. Velma is the nerdier orange sweater wearing. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Daphne. Now, Daphne's hotter. There's no doubt. Yeah. Now, until you get to the live action Scooby-Doo movies. This is borderline furry. Okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll take that hit. All right. Because 
I can't remember the actress's name that plays Velma, but she's a hot. Uh oh. Now, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, she plays oh, Daphne. Oh, yeah. And Sarah she's Michelle Geller. Yeah, super yeah, she's, hot. Yeah. But the Velma chick, she's a hot. It's not like Janine Garofalo or no, something? No, no. Although Janine Garofalo was hot back in the 90s. Back in the day. You know. She was decent back in the day. But man, after Bush got elected, whoo, took that to heart. Man, that, that was rough. That was that Bush derangement syndrome. It'll, it'll get you. I only imagine like she was chain smoking three packs a day and driving through McDonald's a lot, wearing lots of patchouli oil. <laughs> oh, so much oil, which would be like an aphrodisiac to heavy. <laughs> I don't mind that. Well, you oil him up and throw some turquoise on there. Somebody posted a couple of pictures of that. Which one looks more like heavy the other day? And I didn't like, see that. Somebody's like, oh, that's a trick question. Neither of them because there's no turquoise. I didn't. I wanted to say neither of them because there's no 90s flannel. I need to check that out. He's not rocking a brush popper. I mean, it's it's neither one of them, but it was like a like kind of mountain man-esque wrestlers, if I remember right, <laughs> you know. Well, I brought this up the other day, and I wanted to pose it to you. I kind of wanted to pose it to you and Heavy, but I don't know if Heavy will ever exist anymore. In our hearts is what is the thing that you would least like to do on live television? What is it that you would be most you have some choices? embarrassed or ashamed to do on live TV? Uh, I think me trying to throw a football through a tire, that would be pretty rough. <laughs> okay. How would you compare that to, let's say, masturbation? I think I could do that pretty well. But re- remember that this is going out to a national audience, which could include your parents. I'm okay with that. Grandparents. I'm okay with that. I only got one left. Children. Eh, you know, <laughs> they've seen me naked. I'm walking through I the house. you were about to say they no, s- hadn't seen that. <laughs> I was like, well, you might need to throw a lock on that door. No. Uh, All right. If you had to pick between masturbation, going number two, or... Completely naked and greased up. Like greased up deaf guy on Family Guy? <laughs> I haven't seen Family Guy, but I hear I need to. So let's say masturbation, poop on the potty, completely naked, greased up, wearing an animal head, or no, not wearing an animal head because we want people to know who you are, or espousing the tenets of the liberal philosophy. Well, okay. So. I have no problem being naked. <laughs> right. But greased up naked, even better. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I'm just, if it's just a shot of me sitting on the commode. Let's say you have to be hovering. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> what if it's like some kind of crazy Japanese thing where you've also got a camera angle from below? Yeah, let's say it's it's like a... Like a split screen where they got all, all the angles. So let's say it's like a Wonder Woman style invisible toilet. <laughs> Did you see the Atlanta episode with the invisible car? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man, I, I promised KJ I was going to watch all of Atlanta, and I binged all of season one, and I'm now completely caught up on season two, and that show is awesome. All right. I want to start listening to that podcast So I, now. I cut the cord you know, years ago, and I Hulu only has season one, and I've binged all of that. But you can get, because I cut the cord too, you can get um, season two on the FX app. But don't you, you have can, to have like a login for your... Yeah, but I can give you a login. Okay. 
Uh, the SEC is not listening. No, I'm not. Unless, the they're, unless they're one of our hundred listeners. Something luck, with a CC. Our luck. Is CCH Pounder listening? CW McCall is. <laughs> that's a that's a uh, convoy CB radio reference for Trucking. Josh out there. That tape wasn't that tape yeah, called Trucking. Trucking. <laughs> He's he got some hogs back there. <laughs> um. Yes, Atlanta is fantastic. That, it is that first so season because I was kind of like, okay, I, how much of this is hype? And it's so well done. Well, and I talk, I, me and my dad were talking TV shows the other day, and I told him that I'd started watching the show Atlanta, and it's so good. And then he was like, well, what's it about? And uh, I told him that, well, I jokingly, I told KJ that I told him that it's about a uh, a Yale graduate. Because, <laughs> because Paperboy in real life, you know, went to right. graduate from Yale drama or whatever. But I, I told him that, you know, well, it's, it's just about these guys in Atlanta. One of them's a rapper, and one of them, you know, is his cousin that's his manager, and it's just kind of their, you know, everyday right. life situation and everything. But, um, and I didn't, I had heard nothing about the show beforehand, which is usually the way I like to go into a show. Sure. But man, I love it. It is so well written and so well acted. It's yeah, I, really good. I didn't know. I mean, I knew the the basic gist of it, but I don't. I didn't know anything about the characters or anything. And I was so pleasantly surprised. And, yeah, I mean, and I binged it again. You know, like you said, I probably watched it in just a couple of days, just powering through. Because yeah. you don't, you want to keep going. And there's so, yeah, they're so short, short episodes, but so tight and well crafted. And there's always that little element of surprise, like the invisible car. It's you know, so smart. It is. It's very good. It's very character driven, and the characters are great. So I'm looking forward to, yeah. We'll, right now, I'm binging Sneaky Pete. How's he's that? In, it's great. It's Brian Cran. It's a Brian Cranston deal. You know, he's right. in it. It's so good. Yeah, I, I saw the the thing for it, but I haven't watched it. I'm about halfway through that season one. Cause you know, I don't watch a lot of TV. Yeah, so I do mine in binges for sure. It's, uh, but uh, there'd been so much hype about the Atlanta thing, and I, yeah, if I watch season two, I'll definitely go back and listen to their podcast. I'm ashamed. And I'm going to have to do this, I feel like, like I did with The Wire, because I'd never seen The Wire until last year. Right. And then I binged the whole thing. I couldn't stop. Over a matter of just a couple of months, I watched the whole, you know, the whole series. Which is well worth the effort. Yeah, it's fantastic. But I've also never seen The Sopranos. You know. And I feel like that is probably worth it to binge. But it's a big it's investment. It's big. I, I watched it in real time, so I don't know. I don't know that I would go back. I'm interested in this movie that's going to come I, out. You know, I enjoyed it immensely. I had problems with some aspects of it, and it, but it was well done. I just don't know that I'd go back. And I don't know that I would tell you to do it. Although, I think our friend that does a movie podcast had never seen it, and she binged it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah she. I, I saw her tweet about binging name her. it. Oh, sorry. But, okay, I'll bleep that out. Yeah, we don't want to. Disclose that personal Since she information. Won't do network with us. Network is so good. I it need is. to revisit that because I've seen it several times, but it's been years. Prophetic. Oh, so prophetic. Which is you know that's exactly what ended what up happening. Ended up happen- I know, and it's that crazy. was made in what seventies? Yeah, it's mid seventies, like seventy six. That one best picture too. I think. I right? think so. Yeah. God, it's so good. I'm blanking on the name of the. Of course, William Holden is in it. Faye Dunaway is. <sighs> yes, Duvall. Faye Dunaway is the definition, though, of too crazy to deal with in that movie. 
I think she's probably too crazy too, to deal with in real life. Too high strung. Okay, here's a question. Hotter Faye Dunaway, Network or Bonnie and Clyde? Oh, she's sexy in Bonnie and Clyde. So sexy. It's almost too much sexy to handle with her. How about Thomas Crown Affair? Yeah. Faye Dunaway. <sighs> Although I'm, you know what? Anything McQueen. McQueen. It's, it's a, that, that's it's hard a sexy to, man. It's hard to upstage McQueen and sexy, but I feel like Faye Dunaway kind of did it in that movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm blanking on the main guy in Network 2. What's his, the, the guy that, you know, can't take it anymore? Yeah, the mad as hell guy. What is his name? I want to say it starts with a B. Hold on as we... Everybody can take a smoke break while we're looking this up. Luckily, through the power of editing, I take out all these pauses. Okay. Are you going to cut out everything I say, too? No. I'll leave all that in because people want to hear you, not me, remember? Peter Finch. Finch. Peter Beale. Finch. Peter Finch. Yeah. That was the B word. Yeah. His last name was Bill in the movie. Holy shit. Faye Dunaway is still hot. Yeah. You saw her at the Oscars, didn't I, you? No, I don't watch the Oscars. Oh, come on, man. You got to watch the Oscars. I, mean, I don't watch the Oscars. I don't have to do shit. You got to watch the Oscars. I don't if watch you the love Oscars. Movies, oh, here's. You know why I don't watch the Oscars? Because they upped the best picture. There's like 19 movies. There should only be five. There's, every year, there Four should only be five. five. Um, and Touch of Evil should win every year. And I don't watch new movies anymore. That's one that we need to keep leaning on until she will have us both on to do Touch of Evil. Three words. Mexican Charlton Heston. That's all you need to know. That is all you need to know. I mean, that right there warrants a, a multi-part episode with us, a series, if you will, doing Touch of Evil. And I say, while I appreciate Citizen Kane, prefer Touch of Evil. I, I prefer it too, although, I mean, Citizen Kane, I'll give it, it's, it's fantastic. I'll give it that it's revolutionary in the time it was made. But if I can only watch one, I'm picking Touch of Evil. I'm going to pick Touch of Evil too. Now, I, I'm going to hedge, I'm going to put a little asterisk here. And this Did is. Did you say asterisk or asterisk? I think I just said asterisk. But what do you say I normally? I think I should say asterisk. Well, I think I, 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 vacillate between the two i think i normally would say asterisk but that i think i, I usually drinking. say asterisk but i don't know what's right i, don't I think either. both are acceptable um and this is a downfall of our digital age i think partly i first seriously watched citizen kane on a collector's edition dvd i did i, I did not see it until maybe 10 years ago and this has been about 20 years ago and it had commentaries had two commentaries so i watched it straight and this is how much a geek I am. And then it had a commentary by Bogdanovich. Okay. Who knew Wells. Yeah. And it had who a did last picture show. Did a last picture show. And was a total Wells fanboy. Oh, yeah. Sycophant, you know. Um, and then it had a commentary by Ebert. Oh. And both nice. of them gave different insight into the movie. I need to see that. Now, with, like, if you go buy it or rent it on Amazon. Can you get the commentary there? I don't think you can get the commentary. So I'm going to have to find this DVD because i got to watch this now. I haven't now. seen anything that I've bought myself on Amazon that had commentary. Yeah, that's true. Man, and I would that's love... what I've gotten to where I do is I buy it on Amazon. That way, no matter what, I'm assuming no matter what our next technological jump is, yeah. that Amazon will honor my right. digital rights. But Man, I need to get that because I would love... Do you still have it? Uh, No, I think I've rented it or something i need to find that because i would love to listen to that it, it changed it certainly added more to my appreciation of citizen kane now i think in general a touch of evil is still better movie 
It's more I, enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, I I like it better. And I've heard Ebert before talk about some of the you know cinematography stuff right. in in Citizen Kane that was revolutionary and incredible and everything, and how they did the shots and how this yeah, was there's you some, know there's a, there's a lot, lot of that. Of that. Yeah, there, it's lots of this is what this shot because you know it's going you know scene by scene so. This shot was created this way, and there's a lot of that. I would be fascinated. But I love that. I can geek out on that stuff. Yeah, and it, like I said, and I think at the time I was also reading a, I can't remember if I've still got it, a book that Bogdanovich had about Wells. It had a bunch of stories. Actually, it was about a bunch of directors. It had Ford and Hawks and uh, Wells and a couple of other people, uh, Walsh and stuff like that, where he was doing all this stuff from his interviews because he was such a he was just trying to learn as much from all these old directors as he could in his yeah. early days and which paid off although i can't think of anything bogdanovich has directed in years no i can't either but, but he i mean he did some great stuff but yeah it's been a while that i mean i don't know if he's done anything recent i don't know about it yeah, i don't either now wells made a, a movie on hbo that still sticks with me as one of the things that scared the hell out of me the most when I was at, I think I was about in junior high, maybe middle school. Did you ever see that movie he did on Nostradamus called The Man Who Saw Tomorrow? Yes. That scared the hell out of me because it was predicting that, you know, the world was going to end sometime in the 2000s. Right. And then, and I I was scared to death as a kid, and then I kind of let it fade away. But then as I got older... The prediction stuff that he talked about stuck with me. And, you know, his whole thing was that there was going to be a leader from the Middle East that was going to rise up and it was going to seem like there was going to be peace, but then it was going to reignite and then that was going to be the end of the world. And let me tell you, when that whole Iraq shit started, I was like, uh oh, crunching the nails. Well, and, you know, we grew up in a culture you know, the 80s, of fear. The 80s were heavy. Hello, folks. So, you know, we obviously had the, the Cold War on us, but we also had. All of that apocalypse, you know, tribula, you know, uh, tribulations coming, the rapture's coming. You know, I'm uh, having to watch all those awful. Although in hindsight, there's two of them that I really enjoy now: Revelation movies. Oh yeah, like uh, the Thief in the Night, Kurt Cameron kind of. No, thing? no, this is before, oh, before that. Before that, and they're they're made in the or they started making them oh, in the seventies. The old ones, yeah. You had uh, Thief in the Night. Yeah. Um, what was the other one? Because there were two that were better quality. They made them when they had money. Distant Thunder, Thief in the Night. Those were the first two. And then the second two they made in the 80s when they didn't have as much money. And they kind of lost steam. You know, <laughs> It's real easy to, to deal with the rapture and people taking the mark of the beast. But getting into the tribulation stuff. Right. They're you on need a, little, a budget. They're a little on a shakier ground there. Yeah. And those weren't as quite as impactful. But yeah. That was the world we live in. And Nostradamus stuff was all over. Oh, you know, that it, stuff scared the hell out of me. It was like, obviously, this guy's this guy knows what's, you know, the quatrains. I'm learning old French to be able to decipher these myself. They had me convinced that this guy, you know, just had his hand on the pulse of the future, which some of the stuff that he said back then is amazingly accurate but right. it's all like filtered through the narrative of like it seems like confirmational bias sure but still i mean especially when you're a kid i mean even now but especially when you're a kid i mean it i was hook line and sinker yeah man. Uh, we need to do a, a nostradamus deep dive you know find some some crazy stuff that he said that you know <laughs> never 
you know, in a million years would have come true and then find the stuff. Cause I know there was lots of stuff that you can draw parallels to Hitler and things like that. Yeah, and there was it, a, I remember that there was stuff about the French revolution right. that he predicted. And I just remember being, you know, a kid and thinking, all right, well, I've only got about 10, 15, 20 years max tops. Trying what, to figure out how you could, what am I going to do? Figure out how to score that threesome. Yeah. I mean, let's get this going now. And I know it's probably not all that appropriate for a sixth grader, but I've only got so much time, ladies. Yeah, I'm more, you got to start, you know, you got to start laying that foundation if you're going to make it happen. And, you know, I would try the, you know, sort of the move of, hey, have you heard of this Nostradamus fellow? <laughs> <laughs> have you well, and your friends heard about Nostradamus? We may only have a couple of weeks left, so I mean, you don't let's wanna, get this done now. You don't want to die without, you know, trying that. That special thing, the Venus butterfly. Surprisingly, nice LA law callback. The nice, uh, surprisingly, wasn't that effective. Wasn't well, that effective. You know, I, although as I just told you, I got so close on a Ouija board moment. <laughs> but yes, yeah, I could just see how hard you're pushing <laughs> that marker over to yes. <laughs> why? Why does this, this thing seems to be going to yes a lot? Why does it it's say the power of the Ouija? I mean, I don't know. Three S <laughs> Yes. Oh I can feel them pushing the other way, and I'm just like, no. <laughs> yes. The stuff we did in junior high and high school was regrettable. How great is it that Parker Brothers and they weren't the only ones to make Ouija boards. In fact, I've got some very. They made the one that we were using that I'm time. I'm sure. Uh, I've got some some ones that came from the 30s that are wood that are pretty awesome. Yeah. But how great is that Parker Brothers has been, you know, fostering occultism. Oh, for years. Commercially, you know, for 80 years now. I guess they still make Ouija boards. That's a good question. I I don't know that I've. I mean, not that I've been shopping for a lot of new, you know. For a lot of board games recently, but I wonder if they still make that or if it's still in stores. I have to next time I'm when I am shopping for board games, which I do quite a lot. I'll have to look and see. But you're more the used board game realm, generally. Right? But especially around Christmas, I tend to buy more new ones. But it was Ouija. We were in the sweet spot of Ouija because it was. We were also growing up in the age of Satanism. Yes, and that's not as prevalent now. But when we were growing up. I mean, we were right in the heart of that. Yeah, so that made the Ouija even more enticing. It had such edge. You know, I think now you have Wiccans out there and it's much more, you know, people that identify as witches and you're kind of like, okay, whatever. But you break out that Ouija board. I mean, it was an aphrodisiac. Was of course, it? at our age, anything was an well, aphrodisiac. I, I wouldn't but... know because I was busy out in the barn making Lakota dancewear or <laughs> shaker furniture. Some did you ever make the shaker furniture in the Lakota dancewear? No, because the the sawdust gets in the wool. <laughs> the, the beads are quite restrictive. The wool your breech, movements. The wool breech clout is not OSHA safety. <laughs> you don't want that fringe getting caught up in your router. That's not OSHA approved. No, you know, you, the, and the the face mask when you're turning on the lathe that doesn't fit on your roach over your head. <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to get a headdress no, caught no. in a lathe. No, it's the worst. <laughs> that paints a beautiful picture, though. I'm trying to think if any 
young ladies ever visited me out in the barn, and I think there might have been a at least one. Were you fully adorned? I was probably wearing an apron. <laughs> <laughs> Just an apron and hot. boots. It was hot. Old army boots and an apron. You know, it's the summer. Oh, man. There's no air in the barn. There's another good episode title, Army Boots and an Apron. All right. Now, back to your hypothetical. Yeah. Now we've, 20 minutes later, we've made it back, folks. 30 minutes. Okay, so my choices are masturbate on public, in public. Or on the public would be a much more (laughs) brash move. Am I in a room by myself? Am I masturbating on stage? What's the setup here? Yeah, let, let's put you on a stage, on a grand stage, fully is, lit. Okay. <laughs> now, is it... Spotlight. Hold on. I'm going to frame this in the context of the history of firing line set design. Okay. <laughs> Early firing line is... Quality. Buckley and his guest, and then a moderator. Right. 70s era firing line. A is, little background particle board that looks like right, it's going to fall down at any is moment. Buckley and his guests sitting on a slightly risen stage with people. With a, with a, yeah, an audience. Sitting Indian style. Yes. I don't think I can say that anymore, but I'm going to well, say it. You know. Crisscross applesauce style. <laughs> slightly below this riser. Right. So in this case, definitely in danger. In firing line. Getting some silence of the lambs. <laughs> Or later, bigger stage, there's actually chairs and people are further yeah, back. Yeah, much more professional looking. Uh, which one of those three am I going to be masturbating? Which of those sets? Let's put you on stage two. All right, then I'm, I'm all in. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't want to espouse the Do you the want to be backlit or frontlit? <laughs> <laughs> I want those Klieg lights that make you have that warm glow like they give Hillary Clinton. Do you want uh, Do you want some large box fans pointed up <laughs> blowing? No, I want it to be like a heater. I want it to be warm, you know? Yeah, yeah that's true. That's I don't true. want to be cold. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's throw that in the mix. Let's say you have to do it on stage in about a 20-degree room. Okay, on and stage. You, and there's no prep time. <laughs> you, have, you have to fully work up. You got to work it up. You're slapping it against the side of your leg. <laughs> you're moving. You've got your hands in the air, and you're just moving to and fro. <laughs> doing, like a horse beating off. You're doing the tummy slap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Please let no one under 18 ever listen to this. Uh, well, I, I'm going to. I don't want the multi-camera poo. You're out on that. Because I, I, I think people could see you. Either naked or obviously masturbating naked. I, I'm assuming I'm naked. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to do some cosplay, I mean, or I want to be. I want to be comfortable. Yeah. Well, uh, you, I mean, we give you boots and a hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to. You, Ed got, Ed. No, it, let's add. Let me add a provision. You have to be in one of the village people outfits, <laughs> sans pants. <laughs> I think I sent somebody. A picture yeah, of the village yeah. people telling them they had to choose what they want me to appear in. So you can either be in cop boots and mirrored glasses and a hat, or you can be in a full headdress, or you can wear a hard helmet. I'm going some with work boots. I'm going with the S&M leather daddy. <laughs> okay. You're bringing in a whole nother crowd Cause, there. Because, I mean, I've already got the clothes. You're... <laughs> <laughs> That this would be the least expensive. I mean, of the technically, costumes. I think I've got all the costumes. 
That's true. That's true. Um, but I don't want people, you know, I think if you saw somebody doing that, that's less hard to deal with that person than if you saw poop coming out of them. Right. I mean, I think that's a line that's. That's something I can safely say I've never seen. And, uh, I mean, we're barring like, you know, kids and stuff like yeah. that. And diaper changes. There in might that be situation. some medical situations. I don't, even with that, I don't think I've ever seen the actual act in, in process. I, I think that's, that's harder to deal with, you know, once, you know, that's a, a taboo that we have just ingrained in our head. Uh, what were my other choices? Espousing the liberal, uh, agenda. Yeah, that's one. Nudity, the number two, or the masturbation in a village people outfit. And I mean, there's multiple others we could come up with, but that's a good start. And number two is my least. I'm going to put espousing the liberal agenda as my second least. Okay. Because I just can't betray myself. Yeah, that would be hard for you I to mean, do. I'm naked a lot. Right. And, I'm, and I masturbate. So those are honest, real me things. Yeah, we could just go live to your house at yeah, any point. I mean, that's just, uh, I mean, just check in in about two hours. and It'd be hard for you. I'm assuming we're going to be done in two hours then. I don't know. Um, it would be hard for you to come across as genuine in the liberal scenario. Right. It it would and heavy would be heckling me. Would you want him in the audience or watching on TV? <laughs> For any of the ones? <laughs> <laughs> I want him front row. <laughs> would you yeah, would it be more difficult if your family was front row or just watching on TV? Uh it's definitely for the masturbation it would be most difficult for front row. Yeah. Especially if you, you think gotta, you could still pull that off if, if you they were get front it row. Going. Uh, I don't know. You know, you ever tried? No, that's good. No. So it sounds like you're debating. So I had to answer all these. Are you going to answer these? No, <laughs> no, that's disgusting. But, um, so it sounds like that you're de- trying to decide between just naked and masturbation. Well, I mean, if I, if but let's, but look, if you're naked, the room is 20 degrees and you can't work it up. Right. So you're in all your flaccid glory. How much bush do I get? Do I have to trim things up? Bare as a baby's bottom. Whoa, that's rough. That's a <laughs> that's not a good look to begin with. <laughs> no, it's not. And here's the problem, and I'll tell you why. There's a, there's several problems. But um, I am fairly hairy from the waist down. I feel like we'll hear that again. <laughs> oh, we will. <laughs> I'm. If anything, I put myself in the bragging that's montage. True, that's true. Pretty fairly. Um. You may remember back to the ancient Greek mythology. <laughs> hey, are you about to cite yourself as Zeus? No, as a as a satyr. Okay. Where the, yeah. the half man, half goats. Right. Where it's all hairy goat legs. Yeah. That's pretty much how I am from about the uh, belly button down. Absent the cloven hoof. Well, as far as you know. Um, but if you were to shave all the good parts... You still have hair chaps. That's right. That's what. That's a wonderful visual. I'm sorry to any of you that are eating at the moment. And I can tell you from experience, that's not the best look on me. <laughs> you haven't received compliments at that situation? No, it's situation. Just, it's, it's very, uh, it's, <laughs> it's sort of off-putting. It's like somebody took all the branches off of a tree in the jungle 
<laughs> oh man, I'm so glad I brought this up. Um, because you'd have to go fairly high up to. Oh yeah, you know, to clear that out, it just doesn't look right. Now, leave a little hedge. No hedge. This is no, hedgeless. I, I gotta have a hedge. No hedge. All right. Okay. Again, I think most in the people, masturbation scenario, you can have as much hedge as you want. Well. I, for that one, I'm going to keep the hedge, but I'll at least trim things up. You know, make it pretty for the people. Doesn't it seem like manscaping is a more modern phenomenon? Did you ever hear about that when we were in high school or college? College is when that first popped up. I don't think it was till like the end of college years that yeah, that even the be- end. that I was even aware that was a thing. That's when I started. Yeah, you know, I think it's just it's just it's it's. It's considerate. I think it's considerate. And if anything, I'm a considerate lover. I can attest to that. There was a situation where there were people complimenting my wife. Well, complimenting my wife about my general behavior, how good a husband I am. These people have just met you. They they didn't know me very well, nor did they listen to this (laughs) podcast. And I would throw in there and a considerate lover. (laughs) Just, Just tag that. Just tag that on. And... Of course, Mrs. Gustav laughed heartily at that. Right. Maybe a little too heartily. Maybe too hard. Maybe a little Laurel and Hardy. Um, <laughs> Maybe but a- the people did not know how to take that. <laughs> Was that an ender sometime to sometimes to the friendly banter? Like, well, okay, I got to go. But yes. Uh, you do have the superpower of ending a conversation. Uh, yeah, I can, I can <laughs> suck the air out of any room. <laughs> I do think you have the superpower of, if you want to, making people really uncomfortable really fast. Yes. And my one thing that my family will note is also I have the superpower of telling long-winded jokes that don't really go anywhere. (laughs) And I tell them not because they're funny, but because I enjoy... Telling them. Telling them and creating this sense of uneasiness. Yeah, the tension that never ends. That never There's ends. There's no resolve to now, it. Those are called shaggy dog stories, and that has a history back to English comedy. And Heavy and I developed that to try to make each other laugh. Right. By telling these awful, long, boring jokes. That if, if they even do have a punchline, it's very weak. Right. And so I was telling one of the family just the other day. You just end it at the denouement. Right. Very good use of the term. You know, that that English class we took paid off. <laughs> it did. And Mrs. Gustav was like, see, that's what that's what your grandfather was talking about to the boys. And they're like, yeah, that's what he was talking about. <laughs> How dad likes to tell these jokes. Well, that that's a lost art. I'm glad you're keeping it alive. Yeah, I, I enjoy it because I can only remember so many good jokes. Man, I have trouble remembering just joke jokes. And it seems like in our youth, the jokes were much more common. Well, and we were, I wonder if this is still as prevalent today, but I don't see or hear about kids picking up joke books like to where when we were kids, that was huge. Um, The joke book was right up there with Mad. My middle one does. Now, Mad, that's a lost piece, Uh, but my middle one. Still likes the joke book. He'll still tell jokes and I'm stuff. I'm glad to hear the joke book is still um, out there. Mad Magazine, I have a CD-ROM. Is that gone? I think it still exists. I don't think it's a, anything like its former self. Well, that was a fixture of our youth. It has every Mad Magazine 
on PDF form from the start to like around 2000. I Where think. is this? I have a CD-ROM with it. Oh, nice. I need to I'm burn get you a copy, copy of that. It is great. I, mean, I you love can go back that. there and see all these ones cuz I was I this is how geeky I was as a kid. I would go to Trades Day. Loved it. And I would buy old copies of Mad Magazine for like a quarter or whatever. And a pocket knife. And a pocket knife and maybe some throwing, throwing stars. stars. for sure. And I was in heaven. And I would read Mads from 1970. Oh, I would know, geek I out them. on those Mads. I mean, forget TV, man. Give me a Mad yeah. Magazine. And I think that's part of what shaped your and my comedy is because we absorbed all these jokes yeah. That covered a huge span of time and a huge subject matter. Because you had everything from movie parodies to, you know, uh, situational lifestyle things. Where they have those ones where it would be the, the guy with the pipe oh, yeah. and the ascot, you know. Oh, and yeah. Spy versus spy and all that stuff. It well, just that between that and I was so obsessed with that kind of stuff and then... SNL from yep. the time I was, you know, really young back in its heyday. And then I was just obsessed with stand up comedians and yep. would watch stand up specials over and over and over. And or I albums. Just, yeah. And albums too. Yeah. I mean, those early Steve Martin albums and Richard Pryor and just, I mean, I would try to memorize those and I would like, I would memorize and then I would do them like on tape and I would try to memorize well, as much as I could so I could go to school and try to be funny. And we've talked about this a long time ago. So, you know, for those just joining us, you and I were in the same grade <laughs> all li- all our lives, except for that little bit of time when you moved away. Right. Tiny bit. What, but I year? still came back in that same grade. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't even a full year, was it? No. Um, so we were together the whole time. And that was my time in the home. Yeah. Oftentimes in the same classes. And I always considered you the class comedian because you're funnier than I am. I always considered myself the class comedian. Now, the class clown was the general. For sure. I, I wasn't into bits. Because his the way was all he bits. Was. Yeah. But you were always, I can remember in Cub Scouts, you getting up and doing... Oh, I was always ready to do a set. Yeah. And yeah. you were funny. I mean, hand me a pencil and I'll I'll just take that up as the mic and yeah. just and, sit and, back and relax. And you made people laugh even then. You know, not just kids, but adults. And look at you now. Well, and I have to admit that there was very little original in what I did. Most of it was gleaned from stuff that sure. I saw. But I just loved doing it. I mean, I wanted to be a stand-up for a long time. I really wanted my dream job when I was junior high and then into high school even a little bit was to be an SNL cast member. Because I love to write and I love comedy. And I thought that's the perfect job. I mean, you get to write and you get to do comedy. Right. For your job. Let's I mean, make, I would have done that for free. Let's make this happen. I think there's still time. You I be, think I could have been good on SNL. You can be the oldest SNL freshman ever. I could have done voices. I could have, as you've seen in the past, I don't know if I could pull it off now, but I could do physical humor. I think you could still do it. I could do dry humor. Yes. I mean, I used to be really funny. And now, look just at me. Just look doing at me. A, doing a shit butt podcast i mean i'm wasting my talents on this piece of shit with the third funniest guy in, cl- in your grade <sighs> maybe not even that no i i i put you up there on, on the mount rushmore for sure i'm trying to think who else would uh there's so many different types of funny too like the general was such a bit driven guy that like his 
he was funny, but he was all about bits. Yes, it was always bits. Now, now the lawman's funny, but the lawman's funny in a, a different way. Yeah, the lawman's funny just by being himself, and he doesn't try to be funny. Right. Shmoo was funny. Shmoo was funny, and he was a good storyteller. Yes. And that's part of being funny. Yes. Uh, that's like heavy. I mean, I think heavy is the best storyteller amongst us by far. I agree. And um, I like that, you know, there's that storyteller style of comedy, which I respect. I mean, I'm not I'm not good at it myself. Do you think we're ever going to see heavy wearing a red bandana holding a guitar as a cowboy as a cowboy poet? It's 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 50 50 at worst. It's it's, it could happen. And, you know, we have yes. a cowboy poet in our hometown. Oh, I do. I know it. In fact, uh, back when my son was still playing basketball with his uh, grandson, step-grandson, he was telling me about how much he liked my boots. Well, and I don't find his... His stuff is really good, and I find it interesting and clever, but that's different than funny. Yeah, I agree. But, I mean, that's not his... I mean... That's not his goal, I don't think. I mean, yeah, he's not, I think he's right. not trying yeah. to be funny. It's more the the experience type thing. Yeah. Not, not heavy would shoot for funny. Right. Our guy is more the kinky Friedman kind of funny. Yeah. But his, I mean, his stuff is really good and it's clever and it's, I enjoy it. But yeah, I mean, it, it's not what I consider comedy. No, I, I think that's fair to say. But heavy, heavy could go there. I think it could happen. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely a great storyteller, and he's he's good at writing stories, too. Yeah, and there would be a rocking chair on stage. Oh, for sure. He could take over the mantle. He could be the he could create the new Prairie Home Companion. And I think we could be, I think we could have a role on that. I, I think we could do but the... But he would need to be the narrator. We could, yeah, we could do the, uh, what were those two guys that did all the, the other stuff? Can't remember them we right now. We could start the Pineywood Companion. <laughs> You know, um, the red, the red dirt companion since Garrison retired. Um, it was, uh, the guy from the mandolin player from nickel Creek took over the hosting role. Oh, really? Yeah. Crystal nickel is Creek right? is amazing. They're great. And he has a good band too on his own. Can't remember the name of them, but it's just not the same. Cause it doesn't have, no, you're never going to recreate that. You know, that, which is a shame. I don't know if you ever got into Portlandia. I've watched some of it. There is an episode. It's funny where there's they're going to a, uh, a Prairie Home Companion show. Oh, I haven't and seen there's that. There's tailgating. Really? Beforehand. Oh, I bet it's very that's funny. fantastic. Yeah. I like Portlandia. Of course, I like that quirky, freaky, weird comedy. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things. I think I burned Mrs. Gustav out on it. She's never spent any time up in the Pacific Northwest. So I don't think some of the characters resonate, but I worked one summer up there, and well, that, that area is so pretty. It's it's beautiful, and the it's like a different universe. But those people that they're portraying, you know, they're real. It seems that area, and then that comedy, especially something like Portlandia, it's almost quasi Canadian. You know, it has yeah, a very Canadian feel to the humor. Which Canadian humor shaped us oh, yeah. in the kids in the hall. And SCTV. And SCTV, that's correct. And Man. now, Letter Kenny. Man, I know, and I I haven't seen all those episodes yet. Did you, you burned me. I burned you some, and then I, I lost them in the hard drive crash, so I hadn't recovered 
what we lost. There's, I think there's still quite a few I haven't seen. Well, I've seen a, all this that have been available. There was a whole uh, winter season. The third season was all in winter. I haven't seen that. That's I a, think I've just seen one and two. It's a good show. Well, I guess that's about it. Uh, if you want to weigh in on what's your choice for the hypothetical that your choices are. Or what you would most like to see Gustav do. Yeah, or what you would most like to see Gustav do. That's even better. So tweet us or email us at canyouhearmepod at gmail.com or come up with your own hypothetical. Probably. You could probably come up with a better one or better options in a matter of minutes. You know, there's one Ray Ranfield that got famous for hypotheticals. Yeah. Although I thought this was a good one. He's the hypotheticals he is you mean he like well hypothetically not of course no 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 you just know, he just liked him to keep right it's just for, for you know we probably better edit that out <laughs> we just called ray quasi probably better lose that yeah we'll fix that <laughs> plus we don't want to i don't think we've ever had any we, we wouldn't after that. We're not gonna. We're not gonna be big. And about that. <laughs> <laughs> this is all. We're uh, taking this all, all going out. out. Yeah. All right. Well, email us. Can you hear me? Pod at gmail.com And I guess we'll talk to you later. Adios. Bye. I'm invisible. Can you see me? Yes. Wow. Maybe you should put some shorts on or something if you want to keep fighting evil today. My strongest material comes from real life. Real life? Like, for instance, today I was driving in a, a car. Mm-hmm. You were kind enough to bring a car to bring this old chunk of coal here to the studio. <laughs> we, send, we send cars for our guests, yes. Yeah, so I got in it, and that's, I, you know, I get material that way. So my driver, What do you mean? What, what, how do you get material that way? You get in the car, and what happens? Uh, my driver tells me a joke. <laughs> The driver we said to pick you up told you a joke. Yeah. And you're going to tell it now on the show. Yeah, that's how I get a lot of my material. <laughs> okay. Why don't we just have him on next time? Uh, that guy. You, now, that guy. Oh, wait till you hear me do it. <laughs> so the guy, he goes, uh, uh-huh. he, uh, I say, uh, I'll be the guy. Okay. Uh, a moth. <laughs> a moth goes into a podiatrist's office. A moth goes into a podiatrist's office. Right? You are correct. A moth goes into a podiatrist's office, mm-hmm. and uh, the podiatrist's office says, what's the problem? And the moth says, what's the problem? Where do I begin, man? He goes, I go to work for uh, Gregory Olinovich, and uh, all day long I work. <laughs> Honestly, Doc, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I don't even know if Gregory Olinovich knows. He only knows that he has power over me. And that seems to bring him happiness. But I don't know. I wake up in a malaise and I, I walk here and there. And the podiatrist says, oh, yeah? And the moth goes, yes. And he goes, uh, at night I, I sometimes wake up and I turn to some old lady in my bed that's on my arm. A lady that I once loved, Doc. I, I don't know where to turn to. My youngest, Alexandria. She fell in the, in, the, in the cold of last year. Mm-hmm. 
the cold took her down as it did many of us. <laughs> and my other boy. <laughs> and this is the hardest pill to swallow, Doc. My other boy, Gregorio <laughs> Ivinolidovich. I no longer love him. As much as it pains me to say, when I look in his eyes, all I see is the same cowardice that I, that I catch when I take a glimpse of my own face in the mirror. If only the cowardice was stronger, then perhaps... Perhaps I could bring myself to reach over to that cocked and loaded gun that lays on the bedside behind me. And in this hellish facade once How long a drive was this? <laughs> do you live in the valley? Where do you live? Please, sorry. He says, Doc. Sometimes I feel like a spider, even though I'm a moth. Just barely hanging on to my web with an everlasting fire underneath me. I'm not feeling good. And so the, moss, the, the doctor says, Moth, man, you're troubled. But you should be seeing a psychiatrist. Why on earth did you come here? And then the moth said, because the light was on. My congratulations to anyone who stuck it through to the end. <laughs> so, so Norm. What? <laughs> we're pretty much out of time. I. No. Well, listen, uh, it's over. And world-class championship wrestling. I'm Bill Mercer with Jay Sally. Good night from Dallas, Texas. <laughs>